not every brand ambassador is like that. When it comes to a turning point in their lives, you, you think that probably have forgotten a long time ago that they were an ambassador for XYZ brand. I had the chance to, to chat with Sir Jackie Stewart. He's been a Rolex ambassador for 53 years. This is something that I think other brands could definitely learn from Rolex. And, and I think it's way more than just receiving, you know, a, a 100th email in my inbox saying like, oh, this brand partnered with this person for the next six months or 12 months or compare that to having somebody wear your watches for 53 years and being, uh, you know, a three-time world champion. On this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly, we talk about kings and queens, ambassadors and crowns. We ask why Simon is killing watch fairies, George is roller skating and David always has the sound of sirens in the background. We also review some watches, including the latest from Tag Heuer and the nearly invisible Sajima Limited Edition Octo Finissimo from Bulgari. Enjoy the show! Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly. We have a selection of guest hosts. Everyone's been here before, but I will let them introduce themselves. So let's go in order which they appear on my screen. So the guy who's got the first initial G, tell us who you are and where you are. Hello, I'm George Bamford. I'm in London. Yeah, can't wait to be chatting all watches. This is going to be a lot of fun. The person with the initial S, who are you? Hey, that's, that must be me. So I'm Simon from the Escapement 24 YouTube. That would be you. Yeah, um, and it's good to be back on the show. I, I know it's early, but I, I would have thought at the very least your brain wasn't quite adult enough not to understand what the first letter of your name actually was here, Simon. But, you know, <laughs> maybe it is a bit of a challenge this time in the morning. It's a constant struggle. Okay, now the one that we're missing is Ariel, so that means there can be only one left. That's your cue, David. And that's me. Hey, this is David. Yes, I love waking up to the sound of sirens and the wake-up alarm that it's podcast recording time, so it's great to have everyone on the show. It, it should be noted to everybody that the amount of editing that needs done on this show in order to remove the continual noise of sirens in the background of David's recording space is phenomenal. <laughs> Doesn't sound like just one kind of siren. No. It sounds like you're on a on like a Monopoly board or something and you live next to a fire station at a hospital and a police station it's police it's fire so it's like everything basically that you can think of i have them here and diplomacy people you know like running up and down it's a busy road that connects to major parts of the city so there's no getting away from it you just get used to it i guess well it may be busy in hungary it has also been unusually busy shall we say george in london we should at the very least touch on it. You're in London. The London has been the centre of the universe for the past week or so. What have you seen been involved in in terms of everything that's been happening with the death of Queen Elizabeth and the accession of King Charles. Been quite moving in London. Firstly, yesterday, there were no cars on the street. I mean, empty streets, empty everywhere. I mean, I took my roller skates out for quite a, a long jaunt around London. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, hold on. Let's just stop this a second. Are you, like, just living the 1970s life? You went out on roller skates? Look, I'm not an inliner skater. I'm, I'm a quad. <laughs> Traditionalist. Look, honestly, it's the quickest way of getting around London. <laughs> I also think it's quite apt with some of the launches that have just happened. I mean, like, you think about that big launch that's ha happened with a very, very good brand called Tag Heuer. I mean, like, I I'm very on brand. It took George seven minutes and 25 seconds of this recording <laughs> to show for Tag Heuer. Everyone always takes the pee out of me to say about Tag Heuer. 
look, you really were kind of saying to me about roller skating. And I was like, well, yeah, but this was the fun thing was actually going out and kind of feeling like, you know, a kid again and actually having a bit of fun going through London. And it was a, it was one of those somber days. But at the end of it, I felt like I needed to celebrate someone's life instead of kind of going feeling depressed and down. So what I did was I thought, I'm going to go roller skating. And I just went out and the roads were empty, you know. It was quite down in some ways, but in some ways I was just like, you know, it's a beautiful city and it was just a beautiful way of getting around the city. So I I thought it was kind of one of those things to go and do. So is this the start of the campaign for pedestrianising the home of London? No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. I'm in big cars and I'm bombing around and things like that. But what was really beautiful was it was what a celebration of Great Britain. You can't say anything else but a celebration of Great Britain. You also think that she was the queen of the world. So you you then look at it and you think the amount of things that she touched, the amount of royals, the amount of dignitaries, the amount of everyone, also her service. That was something else that you can't believe, that she gave up her life to kind of give service to the world. I th- it was an amazing way of, uh, you know, I viewed it on the TV. I walked outside, I took my kids up to see the coffin drive past. I mean, what an honour, but also service. I mean, you think about everything else. You know, most people are trying to sell their businesses and move on. You know, she gave such, well, she gave her life to, to service. You get 10 out of 10 as an Englishman for not saying England and saying Great Britain. So well done for that. No, it is Great Britain. It is. But it's also the Commonwealth. There was um, a reading by Baroness Scotland. Yeah. And I thought that was one of the most amazing readings. And I just want to say, as a proud Scotsman, the best use of a piper ever. It was like a Hollywood oh. movie at the end. It was just awesome. Absolutely. Honestly, Piper was beautiful. I mean, it just reverberated through you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And maybe the first shout out on a podcast to the new hero of the hour, also known as the tall man who seemed to take over Twitter. I don't know if you observed any of that. The particularly tall guy, I think it's Matthew McCabe, the assistant private secretary to the Queen, who's seven foot three, I think. Yeah, but can you imagine him kind of <laughs> reaching down and uh, writing a letter or something and him, it's like he's almost cut over it would be amazing he absolutely towered over everybody yeah the he? Queen, and the thing is there's another guy in the circle of the queen called tall paul because yes. paul burrell who was well known because of lady diana and all that was known as small paul and tall paul was six foot four but they then employed this guy who's seven foot three the queen by the way i think was five foot three new hero of the hour I mean, that procession was amazing. What a fitting end to someone that gave her life, you know, for the Commonwealth. I promise we'll go on to watches in a minute, but let's just, you know, be a bit British for a moment. We'll get on to you in a minute, David, see what you think. (laughs) It was a phenomenon, the likes of which will never be seen again, I suspect, and certainly not in our lifetimes, because you need to live another 70 years for it to happen again. It was pretty spectacular. Uh, David, was it front and centre in Hungary? Did anybody care? Oh, absolutely. It was all over the news. I think, you know, there were like five or six different articles per day ever since her sad passing. So it's like, uh, you know, all over the news, you know, pictures, photo reports, whatever. So yeah, big, big thing here. Absolutely. We had the, I suppose, the accession of one king. He he desperately tries to tie this into watch news. We had the accession of one king where we had the demise of another king. And that king was Roger Federer representing the king of all watch brands, Mr. Rolex himself. 
I was stunned and I put this on Instagram and then was promptly slapped down by everybody saying, oh, there's, these, are, these are everywhere. I was stunned to see an advert for Rolex on the television and it was basically a Roger Federer Rolex montage. And other than Christopher Ward, I don't recall seeing another watch brand advertise with a paid for advert on British television for a very long time. So it was uh, quite a thing to see. Did anybody else see this advert? I didn't see the advert, but I mean, you know, just going back to Federer, what an ambassador he's been for that brand. Um, you know, I mean, his career, the achievements, he's, what is it, 20 Grand Slams, I think? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just kind of, and he's Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy was just made to be Rolex's ambassador. <laughs> yeah, I think he was slightly different than all the others. You know, you've got the Tiger Woods of this world and, you know, various golfers, uh, other sportsmen. But I think the relationship with Roger Federer, just because he was, I don't know whether it was because he always wore white, you know, generally speaking, whenever we would see him in Wimbledon and stuff, he was squeaky clean, mostly. Rolex were pretty assured there was not going to be any controversy around the corner that was going to make them make decisions when they got into bed with Roger Federer. And I don't know if there's a way of tying together cues for Rolex with cues for the Queen, but I suspect... In some cases, they're probably just about as long. Any other reflections on Roger Federer and watch ambassadors in general? When you just put out saying about the adverts, I'm like, why does Rolex need to even put an advert out? I mean, it's sold out for so long. I, you know, I'm a bit kind of like confused on that. But then the you're right. I mean, he is one of those ambassadors. I, I would also say is, um, you know, there's some really good ambassadors that sometimes are the ones that are, are the older ambassadors. I mean, I was very lucky to meet Patrick Dempsey recently, and I thought, you know, he is a perfect ambassador for a brand. You know, there you look at certain brands and they have, you know, like super, super, like young or this or that. They're just like, hey, I'm here to actually love the brand and I think that's one thing that I think Fedra did very very well is he loved the brand yeah I mean he wasn't one of these ambassadors that you saw wearing Rolex and then he yeah. would be photographed somewhere randomly wearing a Patek exactly or an Hublot or something he was very much frankly if you could request any Rolex you wanted any time why would you but uh, he was certainly true and faithful uh, to that particular brand. David, do you have a brand ambassador thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say that I followed tennis very, very loosely here and there every once in a while, but I'm not a huge tennis fan, although I love playing the game. And yet when this video was published by uh, Federer on his Instagram, I watched the whole thing just for one reason, and that was to, to hear whether he mentions Rolex or not. Because, you know, that, that was just curious to me because I know that the tie is there. You know, there's a very strong bond between uh, Rolex and Federer, and I was curious to see how that plays out in this five-minute video. So, you know, not every brand ambassador is like that. In fact, you know, most of them are not like that. So when it comes to a turning point in their lives, you, you think that, oh, well, you know, they probably have forgotten a long time ago that they were an ambassador for XYZ brand, you know. And this is what Rolex does really well in that they have really long-term partnerships with these people. I had the chance to, to chat with Sir Jackie Stewart. It's not even a chance, it's a privilege actually, the last number of years, uh, consecutive years at the Formula 1 Grand Prix here in Budapest. And he was just amazing. And he's, he's been a Rolex ambassador for 53 years, you know, uh, going on, you know. 
know, uninterrupted. And that is just incredible. And this is something that I think other brands could definitely learn from Rolex. And placing the ad, even though that they are sold out, as George mentioned, that's true. But at the same time, it also comes down to how they communicate the values that these people reflect on Rolex. And I think it's way more than just receiving, you know, a 100th email in my inbox saying like, oh, this brand partnered with this person for the next six months or 12 months or worse still, I sometimes receive these emails. I really don't want to single out Jajer, but they are really at the, at the peak of this, like r- media alert. And someone wore a Jajer at the red carpet event. That just drives me crazy. I'm like, this is not even a thing, right? Compare that to so- having somebody wear your watches for 53 years and being, uh, you know, a three-time world champion. So, so yeah, there's, there's a few things for others to learn from Rolex, that's for sure. So a little general knowledge um, question for you guys, to see if you'll know the answer to this. Do you know who the first watch ambassador was and the first brand to actually come up with the idea of having brand ambassadors? Uh, Tag Heuer um, and... and uh, or Hoyer. It was Tag Hoyer and George Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hoyer, uh, I would say is Jack Hoyer and probably one of the Formula One drivers back in the day on a Carrera, maybe. Well, I should have known you would have got this one, George. Uh, Ronnie Peterson or someone like that. Yeah, absolutely right. It was, it was Jack Hoyer who first conceived of the idea of brand ambassadors and it was Joe Siffert who was his first guy. Yes, Joe Siffert. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I thought it was Ronnie oh, Peterson. Cool. Yeah. I love this question, but David, I I totally agree with you. That's why I was saying to you about someone like Patrick Dempsey, but I was also, you know, Jackie Stewart. There is some of the people that really connect. Chopard with... With Jackie X. Jackie X. Yeah, I was about to say Jackie X. You know, that partnership with Jackie X is a partnership of of friendship. And I would say the same with probably Jackie Stewart, Roger Frederick. All of these things is a friendship with the brand. And I think that's the, you know, Patrick Dempsey, yes, with Tag Heuer, he is, is a partnership with a brand. He loves the brand. Every time you see him, you know, he drives a Porsche and he wears a Tag Heuer. You know, it's the same with, you know, Jackie X, he wears a show pod all the time. Absolutely. In fact, the passing of the Queen, who was well known as a Patek person, the new king is Inti's Parmigiani. Rolex are now looking for a new top ambassador. Who is there in the wild world of anything that could touch Roger Federer and what he brings or brought to the Rolex brand? If you could go shopping for a brand ambassador right now, who would you... Who would you tap up? I personally can't think of a single person in sport or adventure or anything that a brand like Rolex could have a relationship with similar to... I mean, are, are there any other famous Swiss people? <laughs> Just like <laughs> famous Belgians, Eddie Merckx and Tintin. Hmm. Right. I'm sure there are, but, um, you know, if you think about what's interesting, the amount of money that Rolex plows into Formula One sponsorship, and yet... I don't know whether they have any Formula One drivers as brand ambassadors. No, they don't. No. You were saying about ambassadors. I think the the thing I think is bloody amazing is I think Richard Mill has done very such a great thing with their ambassador program because they, from tennis players to even golf to anything else, they get the people before they're even kind of ascending. They find these people and and then they create a unique watch for them. And that, I think, is quite a different way of doing an ambassadorship is not kind of, hey, you've just raced around a, a track and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a, a watch on you when you come off uh, that car you know you're actually going to drive around the racetrack 
with that watch on your wrist. Exactly. You know, and that's what I kind of think is an amazing thing is they've gone, I understand you do, you know, you play tennis and this is what you're going to do, but you're going to wear the watch to play tennis. I think it's very, very clever. It's not the other way around of kind of saying, hey, you come off and we'll put a watch on your wrist. It's like, well, you know, that's not a proper collaboration. It's not a proper ambassadorship because you're not kind of connected in that. Well, that's my belief. I think Richard Mill's done a bloody good job. I think what's funny there, I think they, they've reached their peak a few years ago, like two, three years ago, maybe, when I was watching Formula One and I could see up to like four, yeah. five, maybe even six drivers at the same time on the grid wearing a Richard Mill watch and yeah. Richard Mill not being listed on, on any of the cars or maybe like Haas or something like that, not even not even uh, Ferrari at the time. And yet you would see Richard Mill all over Formula One anytime that the drivers were out of the car. And as you say, sometimes they were actually wearing the watches while in the car like Massa for example had this huge like 150g impact eight years something 10 years ago and as he was getting out of the car I still remember that he, he had his Richard Milan you know so it's not like oh you know it's time for interviews so time for you to wear a watch like that no and at the same time what's interesting about Richard Mill is that anytime you see Richard Mill listed as a brand there's never a picture of a watch it's always just the name of the brand and f- you know for Rolex that's obvious because you know we've known Rolex for 100 years but you know Richard Mill has been around since 99 maybe 2000 or so and you know still they insist on like hey either you know that this is a watch brand or you yeah. don't know that's an interesting point never really considered that but, but yeah you're right you just you never see it alongside a little picture of something like you would with Hublot for example uh, whenever you see them sponsoring something in particular football and I think IWC do it very well um, with yeah. the Formula 1 guys because they actually on the gloves they have an IWC watch printed um, on the back of Lewis Hamilton's glove that's clever too yeah they do they do that because uh because there are a number of safety regulations with regards to what sort of material they can wear so they cannot wear anything steel obviously or anything that is flammable because you know steel gets really hot in case there's a fire and causes severe burns and yeah all the other materials they have to be fireproof just the same way as their racing suits are and gloves are but i would agree with you iwc i think you know have done very very their formula one partnership i think that they've done some amazing partnerships and and, you know, I, 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 you know, you were talking about Rolex being the dominator in Formula One, but with no one on the grid wearing a Rolex. Well, I think that's probably the, the biggest flex of all is they've got the branding everywhere and everyone else is kind of like the, you know, you can see how much sales Rolex gets versus every other brand. And, and you know, you can see that in Formula One. These guys are kind of like, hey, we're the big daddy and everyone else is kind of subservient to us almost. And you also never see anybody from Rolex at the Formula One races, or I, I assume they're there somewhere just hiding, whereas yeah. you do see yeah. executives from the brands wandering around the paddock you never now maybe it's just because nobody would recognize them i've never noticed in the paddock walks etc anyone from rolex but you see them from richard mule you see them from hublot or girard perigo or whoever else is sponsoring brands that year uh people from rolex are certainly there because uh, at the paddock club uh, there's always a rolex section at every Uh race so there's there's a fancy place where you can uh, be seated and have lunch and you know you're treated very well 
and Rolex uh, has its guests there at every one of these races. And of course, there are Rolex people there for sure. But like you say, it's rare because it used to happen uh, previously that um, representatives of a, of a title sponsor would give like maybe the gold or the silver or the bronze or yeah. whatever, you know, like the, uh, on the podium, they would be part of the ceremony. But, you know, that hardly ever happens with Rolex for sure. Yeah. And there's an alarm behind David that I'm not going to be able to edit out because he was speaking at the time. Anyway, so, uh, yes, we have heard a lot about cues this week of various forms, but uh, I tried to dig out, and whether I managed to do this in the edit, there used to be a radio show over here called, what was it called, Simon? Our Tune. Yeah, Our Tune. Simon Bates. Yeah, Simon Bates. I was trying to find the music for it because because our Simon has got a little story about, you know, maybe rejecting the idea of queuing might be the most appropriate way. So Simon, <laughs> Simon, tell us your story. Let's all sit back and listen to Simon's story. So while the world has, well, while London has been queuing over this last week, I actually was withdrawing myself from a queue. So uh, probably, I guess about eight or nine months ago, um, I called into my <laughs> local Rolex AD and long admired the Explorer 2, 225670, I think is the current reference and chatting with the salesman there found myself getting on a list for one and i thought this could be my perfect 50th birthday watch um because you know that was probably 18 months ago uh, simon you're th- you're 35 just now yeah yeah absolutely i'm 32 so uh, yeah a little while to wait so 17 years of a queue that's fine no about 18 months or so to uh, to wait anyway i um had the call last week uh, a lot sooner than i was expecting and um, so chatting with the, the salesman, he said, look, uh, Mr. Ryan, you know, if you're still interested in this watch. Um, and I actually said no. And there was this silence at the other end of the phone. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's really nice. Uh, you know, the guy's paying his own personal tribute to Her Majesty. Um, and then I realized actually that it was just pure shock. And yes, is, is everything OK? Are you still there? <laughs> and he said, yes, it's just that nobody, nobody's ever done this before. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, Whoa. nobody's actually said they don't want the watch. <laughs> I said, right, okay. <laughs> so, of course, he asked me why I didn't want the watch. And um, and, and the truth is, is that, look, you know, I, I got myself on this list. I placed the order, if you like, with having never tried one on. <laughs> and the closest I'd got to one was trying on one of the previous references, which I think is the 16570 that my brother owns, which is the 40mm version, which is beautiful, and it fitted my tiny spindly wrists perfectly. And then it was only a few weeks ago that I happened upon somebody who had the new version, which has gone up to 42mm, which really didn't suit my wrist. And so I'd made the decision at that point that, you know, there was no point me being on this list. And... The interesting thing about this whole thing is that, you know, when I've told people about this... So to flip it. Why didn't you have the watch anyway and flip it? And, you know, my point, and I actually said this to, to the salesman, is that, you know, I, I don't want to buy a watch purely to speculate on or to flip because it's taking that watch away from someone who genuinely wants one, you know, and I genuinely don't want it. So there's no... I have no right in having that watch. Um, I'm really not interested in, in making a quick buck on it. That's just not me. I'm not that guy. But, and I, I think it's made me start thinking about 
how watches really have started to become, or certainly Rolex anyway, really is, even among the ordinary public now, is thought of as an asset class. And it's something that you, you know, can make money on or you can invest in. And really, for me, I think that has taken the magic away from this hobby. And, you know, I almost think that every time somebody buys a watch purely as an investment or to speculate on, for me, I think kind of, you know, a, a watch fairy dies somewhere. <laughs> I think we have the snippet for for social media for this episode. A watch fairy. I I love I love I, I love your story on that. And you know you're you're right. I think um you know I I said this about the G-Shock launch and the last time I was on here. It feels like um we were in this wonderful little rowing boat collecting watches and now like a big juggernaut's come along and said, "Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be taking over this game. And it, it feels, you know, when you describe this, it, it does feel like that. It feels like, you know, even the AD probably would have said to you, why didn't you buy it to flip it? And you're like going, what the hell? <laughs> um, but the, the other thing is, yeah. and I, there is a cautionary tale, you know, because prices have slightly fallen a bit soft. Someone recently I, I know brought a um, Patek, that he thought he was going to be able to flip for a hell of a lot of money. And he managed to just get his money back. Uh, and this was a client of mine. And he just went to me and said, wow. I cannot believe. And he said, that was the first time I wanted to speculate. And it went against me. So sometimes, you know, egg on your face. The guy was very proud. At, you know, he sent me all the photographs of it all boxed up, plasticed up and all that type of stuff. And I said to him, I said, you know, I can't wait for you to try it on, wear it and love it. And he goes, no, no, I'm going to flip this. This is going to be great. I'm going to make fortunes. Did he try to sell it to you, George? Uh, no, but, he, but partway through him selling it, did ask me, did I know anyone would be able to take it off, off him? And I said, I'm really sorry. Um, it's, you know, I believe in not a show pony or something that lives in a safe. I believe that you have to wear the watch. And the guy was just like, oh, okay. So yeah, you, you could have offered him your roller skates in exchange for it. Or... Uh, well, no, but you know that what I'm saying to you is that sometimes when you think, you know, hey, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make some good money, it comes to you know a dealer going, oh, I don't know if I can take that, and you know he told me the whole story and he said, you know, when he was buying the watch, two dealers said, yeah, I'll give you double over over retail, I'll do this, I'll do that, and. And anyway, when it came to him selling it, the guys were like, oh, yeah, well, the market's turned against us. This is what this is. And and he was just like, I can't believe it. And it was quite an expensive one as well. And, I, and so why, I, you know, it's a cautionary tale. And that's what I, th I think is the interesting thing. Yes. So well done, Simon, for being being a decent human being. Although, yeah, I did. I think I messaged you to say if you'd put, if you'd rejected a deep sea i wasn't going to speak to you again because you could afford me i'd have bought it i'd have, take, I'd have taken your place in the queue <laughs> well i mean look you know i'm not saying that i won't come to regret this at some point <laughs> in my life um you know certainly my, my bank manager might actually regret it on my behalf but um what i was going to ask is um is there a watch that you have walked away from and now regret oh yes hmm I walked away from one of those limited edition doxers that came out three years ago. 
Not one of the white, um, one of the white dial and the white strap and. No, no, it was. I'm trying to think what the model was. <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to sell yours, are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, my 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 doxa long awaited doxa video is actually going to drop this week. All right, and, very, um, good, very good. So you never know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's one I had the opportunity to buy and didn't. Oh, and a red smiley face Tudor. Uh, Black Bay, one of the original ETA movements uh, that I regret not buying at the time, because yeah. I still think that's my f- one of my favourite Tudors is a smiley face. Yeah, it's a bit of a classic, isn't it? It's not that long ago that I've I've checked it, maybe like two three three months ago or so for one of those, and they are basically selling at retail, so they have not gone up. Uh, so maybe you can still pick one uh pick one up for yourself. I occasionally search online for them and the problem is I come across ones that I've got the bracelet with it are really difficult because I don't want the, the strap version. So right. and the, the bracelet ones seem to be going for about a thousand pounds over the original retail, depend, really? depending on where you try to source them. But it'll be one of these things eventually. Mm. You'll pick it, but you'll pick one up. And I think the other one, actually, I'm, I'm now realizing I've got a long list of, of regrets. Is an Omega the cookies and cream Omega Planet Ocean, which I got offered at Heathrow Terminal Five many moons ago, and it would have been an absolute steal. <laughs> Just on the basis of how much Omega have put their prices up over the last four years, uh, so yeah, that's that's my litany. Of, <laughs> so that's of number that's number three on your list. What's number four? Yeah, there, there will be there will be <laughs> there is a Zenith Doublematic. Oh, there was a a, <laughs> a, 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 a brand called I'll mispronounce it, but Niebuhr, uh, and it's a little German guy, I think, and he makes. Um, funny time-telling watches. So this was a, like a, a digital tell time uh, version of telling the time, a bit like the uh, the Alien Zona Zeitwerk, just made individually. And I could have got one of them going for a song. Never did. Sorry, I'm just full of regrets. But my life just one big regret. It turns out. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this was a video, you could kind of have subtitles over the screen now, saying, you know, an hour later. <laughs> Yeah, and a wee thumbnail of me just screaming into the void. It's it's a therapy <laughs> session. Um, I know you need to jump on, but I haven't said my 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 regret is the IWC Lake Tahoe. I I got offered it by the AD recently. Uh, got offered it just before the summer. I regret that I didn't pick up on it at the time. I brought a I brought a tag hoyer, and I brought uh, also um, because I've been talking about it and about effing time. Sorry, a little drop on that one. Been talking about the Omega Golden Eye, and I brought that in in the same week and something else. And the Lake Tahoe came in. And I was like, I can't afford this, and and it was a big big week of spend. And I said no. And then about two weeks later, I phoned up the AD and I said, I'm I'm regretting. And he said to me, he said, Look, you know, you've got at least 24 months until you can get one. And I was like, oh, crap. And it's kind of one of those things. So, you know, it's, it, it's you know, you kind of go, you've got to stretch sometimes. And it keeps on looking at me in, in that way. I'm like that white ceramic with that black dial with the white numbers and the white strap. I just was like, it would have been the most perfect summer watch. It will be two years from now. Well, I, I know, but you know, you know that there'll be something else coming out. There'll be something else in the Richter scale of IWC or, or some other brands. I mean, 
still even down to i mean you 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 mentioned doxa that that um army doxa when i tried that on at watch we uh geneva mm-hmm. watch days coming on to the finissimo trying that on as well i mean tried that on at bulgaria and that's another cool watch i mean oh yeah these are some really cool watches and i think that that's the th- thing you regret something like the lake tahoe that i i regret but then i kind of tried on the finissimo and i was just like that's so damn cool and then tried on the doxa and i was like that's cool that it's almost like I've missed the point and missed the 24 months. I'm like going, I want the army doxer. I mean, when I put that on my wrist, I was just like, I want this. I want to steal it. It's it's like almost I walked out of the out of there with it. <laughs> I can just imagine you with your roller skates on and an army doxer and great big knee pads. Oh, and your lycra. I don't wear, I don't, going I don't wear, the I don't wear knee pads, but yes, it's kind of. A, it's a, but no, but that that army doxer is is a really Really cool thing like this finissimo you know we're talking about the octo finissimo but that mirrored dial and just the way it plays when you put it on your wrist you go they put dots in <laughs> the glass it's so clever well let's not jump the gun let's not jump the gun we will be there after we'll be there right after this Okay, so, yep, George has already mentioned what we're going to talk about first, and we're going to let David, who has written the article, and I get to start on this article, my first wrist modelling job. Yes. <laughs> I had to go on my wrist because David was still jiggling around with laughter so much that he couldn't keep the watch still. But, uh, David, tell us all about the Octo Finissimo Sejima edition. Yeah, absolutely. So this year, uh, out of the blue, I mean, it's not technically out of the blue because sometimes a few days prior, we, we receive embargoed information on, on new releases. And I was looking at this Sejima limited edition of the uh, famed and amazing Octo Finissimo. And I was looking at that and I was thinking to myself, well, this is kind of cool. I, I wonder what it's going to look like in real life. And then when it was handed to me, I, I just like couldn't help myself. I was just, <laughs> I laughed so hard. I ended up in tears, you know, because it's, it's literally the most uh, illegible watch ever because the whole thing is polished to an extent that it looks like it's chrome. It's not even just polished steel. And then they applied a mirror dial on, on the face of the whole thing, which means that you cannot look at the watch at any mo- any time when the, the sun's out or even perhaps when it's overcast a little bit because it just reflects the light straight back into your face so the whole thing is something that just utterly fails as a watch even at the most basic level and yet it is fantastic and then we had the the privilege to sit down and, and chat with uh, Fabrizio Buonamassa who's the head of design of Bulgari watches and of course we talked about the Sejima limited edition and he told us that you know this is maybe the third or the fourth limited edition that Bulgari does with a Japanese designer or architect and so on and so Sejima once designed three or four years ago a train that you wanted to be transparent or, or invisible so part of the train was obviously uh, transparent because of the windows but the rest was basically turned into a mirror and it goes through the Japanese countryside and it looks epic and then they were looking at the Octofinissimo and they said they said well this is very thin it's almost not there so how can we make it thinner and the logic for them was that by making it invisible but how do you make something invisible by turning it into something that is part reflective and part transparent and so this is how they ended up with this i think 360 piece limited edition it's like fourteen thousand dollars or so and yeah and we had to highlight the, the paradox nature of this piece in the sense that 
sure by their logic it's it's invisible but also it's basically the new brightling emergency because it's so reflective it can be seen from from space so if you get lost <laughs> in a desert or, yeah. or whatever you can signal for help with this for sure definitely so it's it's you a very light fires yeah you know, life fires easy easy it's a fire hazard actually the the ultimate survival watch we're this in california and you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble or the outback of australia setting forest fires everywhere oh absolutely take your watch off in the afternoon to go for a wee swim and you come back <laughs> and you've set fire to the forest are they gonna sign bear grills as a brand ambassador <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw he was at the funeral there you go so it's a bit like the uh, old big dome glass ball clocks that used to sit on people's desks and set fire to people's houses it could be that really well <laughs> you know because that that was one of the big problems with people used to put those big dome glass things on on their desks and uh, writing desks and then there would be a reflection straight onto the paper look i think you're totally right i think when you look at this watch firstly we read the time in such a different way now iphones whatever is in our pocket we read the time i mean and the amount of people i know that don't even set the time on their watch that i think is sacrilege but they mm. put it on this watch you know you're right it, it there's something so crazy about it, but something so fabulous. It is one of those watches. I mean, I think we're lucky to have had it on our wrist because, I mean, when I put it on my wrist, I was like, I just love it because it is one of those purest forms. It's You, you can't be accurate on the time. You have to go, it's 10 past two or it's the... You can't kind of go, it's 19 minutes past two because you're not going to be able to read it like that. And I kind of love... Yeah, it's completely bonkers. Yeah, you will probably... Not- not be able to read it at all you know uh, that's that's the funny thing it's not it's not a two to minute accuracy like i have the the constantin chaikin joker and that is a watch that you can really just only guesstimate the time on but at least you can see where the hands are pointing but here you you, you look down on your wrist and you're blinded by it I, I can't overemphasize the fact that you know if you wear this outdoors you'll be literally blinded by your watch and i feel like that's hysterical but it's a beautifully made watch and yeah. i love that it exists so don't don't get me wrong there the most hysterically funny thing about this is that it's got a running seconds as if that matters oh. as if it matters that you need to know that it's actually working you know you can't read the time on it anyway but at least you know it's running it's like huh <laughs> i think it is a bit odd that they put a running seconds i don't know if it was to create some sort of asymmetry in the watch but uh, i do think it's really funny that a watch that's not really designed that is just male or female jewel an excuse to for for guys to wear jewelry and call it a watch that they chose to put a running seconds on it as well but, but do you know the thing i will say to you is it's the octophonissimo has become an icon of bulgari mm. and when you've taken the logo off it and you've just literally put three hands on the dial yeah and still you can do that and you know it's a bulgari that for me has surpassed this kind of it's become this icon and you it's quite a hard thing for a watch brand to build an icon and i think this is the the icon and i'm i i'm blown away where you know you can take everything off the dial and just put three hands and dots everywhere and you can't read it to a to a degree but you've got no 
bulgari. You've got no kind of tr- true branding. Mm. I hate this word baller move, but it's like, yeah, we know <laughs> we have an icon and you know it's a bulgari. You know that a Richard Mill is a Richard Mill. You could take the Richard Mill logo off it. You know it's that. You know a Monaco is a Monaco. The Finissimo is a bulgari. You know, that yes. is kind of one of those things that I, I, I think it is one of the cleverest cleverest moves as a brand to to do this and yes reading it and and mirrored and you want to look at yourself in the mirror but it's a bit of dots and for me it just makes me smile it makes me smile and it's very i mean i've I've been told it's almost sold out or it has sold out and i think no wonder i can't wait to see in a meetup of something like red bar or any of those meetups or you know a watch throwdown this is going to be that watch that you want to go and see again i want to see it again i want to see how it ages i want to see how everything about it because i just love i love the idea of this watch it's so cool it'll probably be a red bar dubai or red bar qatar or something like that i would have thought (laughs) (laughs) honestly i i well not in london but i do think a a good meetup i think this would be that thing that everyone goes and goes to versus all the other boring watches you know this is something that makes has to make you smile no, i think you're absolutely right and i think also i think the, the point about it becoming a really iconic design i think is also true i think it's it's reached that status now um i mean i actually really like the original kind of the skeletonized one that they had a couple of years ago i think that's an incredible um, looking piece um, but david I, I i wanted to ask you i mean i'd love to ask some technical questions about this watch right but really the burning question i'm sure on everybody's lips is did you manage to compose yourself before you had the conversation with the designer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was I was so thankful that we had this hands-on opportunity prior to that. Uh, yeah. I, I could <laughs> Rick was there sitting next to me. We yeah. even have like photographic evidence of my state uh, when I was <laughs> when I was looking at the watch. Uh, you know, it's just when it just keeps coming at you in waves that you you start thinking like, is this a luxury watch? Yes. What is this? What is the purpose of this thing to read the time at least at the very basic level? And then you can't, and then you realize it's not even that. that it's more like you can't look at it in sunshine. You know, it's like <laughs> 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 I can't I can't even uh, process the whole thing. But what George mentioned. Is actually uh, what I also uh, what I also say in the article that we published on our blog to watch. Is the same thing. This is the watch that has really driven home, at least for me, the icon status of the Finissimo. When you can when you can take a ridicule, I think that's that's the, the when you can go and, and and be funny and not be super serious. And of course, also in the process, uh, amid the uh, you know having the brand on there, everyone knows this is a Finissimo. But it's more than that in my mind because it it's a fun take at the finissimo it's like sure you want to turn it into a freaking mirror yeah go ahead it will it will take it because it's a powerful design and it it knows what it is and i think that's huge and that is in a 0.001 percentile of all watches especially the luxury watches out there it's also the other thing about this is this you've got to realize about the finissimo is you know we we know that gerogenta you know was this kind of guy that's loved integrated bracelets but this is a modern way of doing integrated bracelets you think of all the new uh, integrated bracelets like you know the timex and there's some really kind of cool integrated bracelets that have come through but this for me is such a great integration of that integrated bracelet i i'm wondering how many times i could say integrated in one, <laughs> one. sounding weird <laughs> 
<laughs> without it sounding very weird. But you think about it, you know, from a design point of view, this is something that is not regurgitating the past. It, you know, when I look at that, I don't kind of reference a an AP Royal Oak. I don't reference reference a, a engineer or, or engineer from IWC or a Vacheron or anything else in the market. I reference a Bulgari because they did integration of bracelets and dropped the mic on integrated bracelets. Before, you know, if you look now, it is the kind of the go-to thing, but they did it and did it so well, or that's my belief. Let all the listeners go and have a look at the article on a blog to watch. I'll see if I can dig out some of the reaction shots from David for the show notes if they'll, if they'll let me publish them. <laughs> okay. So go and check out the article at ablogtowatch.com. Now, I was, I was told before we started that George had to be away at 8.30 and, you know, there's only 15 minutes left and I'm sorely tempted not to review. I'm sorely tempted to get to, the, like, within two minutes to go of the end of the show and then say, let's now review the tag just as George <laughs> has to log off. But I'll not be cruel because I know he has bills to pay and so needs to talk about uh, tag hoyer as much as possible. So George, oh, George, oh, oh, oh. so you go there. I, uh, you go there. I, I went there. No, no, George. I, I specifically when this was released, I thought who should, which of our many commentators, which of our guest hosts has to come on to speak about this, and I instantly thought of yourself because I've heard you speak about the tag at Hoyer Formula One and everything of that going way back. Me and you have a very similar background in in watch purchases in the past. So I was delighted to see this make a reappearance. And I think the tag Formula One, that whole era, is beginning to be re-examined and reappreciated. Sean's got an article this week, but George, over to you. How pleased out of 10 are you with this release? Out of a 10, I, I'm going to probably say I, I, uh, I would maybe an 8, 9. I think it is very, very good re-examining the history of a brand. I love the old Tag Heuer logo with the green and red on the top. I think they've done an amazing thing. The interesting thing is on the article, there is uh, quite a few uh, comments. Um, I know that uh, Ariel always says, don't look at the comments. Um, <laughs> but when I was looking through the comments, I thought, yeah, you know, some people have got it right. Some people have got it wrong. And I love the idea of this. I think the green, the yellow and the red are really, really awesome. I looked at the original uh, Formula One. It was one of the first watches I uh, ever had was the full alum dial Formula One. And I just brought for my kids a, a, two, a year and a half ago, I brought the uh, smaller versions, the pink and the blue. And I love, I love the Formula One. I think the Formula One is such a cool watch. I look at this and I think that uh, and it may be shock horror. I, I I think Tag Heuer could go further. I think there could be more out of the Formula One. I think this is a, a nod in the right direction. I think the chronograph, I think, is an amazing idea of doing the chronograph. I love the bigger sub-dial on it. I think there is some really cool things. But, 
you know, when I look at the original Formula One, it wasn't a chronograph. And I think that's that's my thing on it. I, I also would say to you is looking at this watch, I love how they've done the raised metal in the bezel. I yeah. think that is a really good design. And you know, you're asking my opinion on on a watch. I I have ordered one, of course. I've ordered <laughs> one because I've just gone, I yes, I've got to have this. For me, I've ordered the yellow one. Mm-hmm. And I'm now debating yellow or red. And uh, the reason why I brought the yellow one, because I just, I thought they'd got the yellow mat. The whole thing worked so well. And I think the yellow one was was kind of buzzy as well. And I think... I think it would work at a Formula One event. I'm, I'm listen. I'm, I'm, comp- I'm changing my picture from you wearing the army doxa roller skating to you wearing a bright yellow tag Formula One quartz watch. Uh, you're just like '80s kid. This is just like you're gonna be. You're gonna have like your Walkman in your back pocket, really tight shorts on, those little flicky over headphones with the, the little bits of foam on them. I, I, I can see the whole picture now. I think Halloween's coming up. Stranger Things have kind of put put that in everyone's mind. Yes. So I would say to you is eight, 80s is cool. You know, the thing is, if you're going on eBay or anything like that, and there is other places to get vintage watches, you know, look at the old Formula Ones. It was yeah. something really cool. And this is an homage to the past. And, you know, I always say, look at the past to create the future. And I think Tycor is very good at doing that. You know, they, they do some minor tweaks. I, I You know, I feel like I'm, I'm the only one talking here and david you're you're very good at kind of being the the uh critic on this but <laughs> i i think this was the amazing article on this because i think it was a very honest article and, and it didn't feel like you know almost advertiser content it it felt like a very very good article david what what did you think of this i like colors on watches that's always a thing yeah. for me i feel like if there are col- colors on a watch then you know you can count me in i would go with the yellow actually since that was associated yeah. with, with motorsport for so long it was actually the, the original color for ferrari i believe uh that's why the shield on the ferraris are that's yellow right. because it's linked to to the motorsport heritage right so so yeah i would go for yellow for sure I've, i'm always fascinated by tech Hoyer's more affordable collections because i feel like it's an entry point for tens if not hundreds of thousands over the world right who will get into watches and just Definitely. pick one of these up in the coming years so if these fail then that's a big problem these have to be attractive to people who are not necessarily hardcore watch people like yeah. we are but they just want to get into it so this is one of the reasons why i always pay close attention to these releases and that's why i'm happy that this looks kind of cool yeah i think that's the important thing about this is this is entry level this is going to be the thing that's going to be dominating shop windows in every high street in every country where they sell luxury Mm. watches and it's colorful so a bit like you know a mass market organization adapting some kind of shoe design or clothing design or a turtleneck or a you know this is where design language is going because this is what the entry level is going to popularize now so while tag have clearly been influenced by their own history and by the fact that at the higher end colorful watches are very much in this is them picking up that theme as you know mass market retailers do from the catwalks of milan etc and then feeding it back out to the audience and it will create that kind of feedback loop so if this is a success of course so i would expect that this will only encourage other more premium brands or more premium watches within the Tag Heuer collection to also go more colourful. I think as a watch, this looks pretty cool. 1,800 quid, 
it puts it in with the kind of Breitling endurance type category and you know it's a big well-recognized brand that people who aren't watch geeks are still very much in love with and i think they will sell an absolute shed load of these this could quite easily be a a one watch it will be far better built than the old tag Heuer formula ones so these will last for a long time i think the formula one has been quite interesting because four or five years ago i would be looking at them on ebay and go i really don't like that having liked it in the past but now four or five years later my opinion has changed my taste has changed i'm like yeah the old tag formula ones they were really quite cool so it's just interesting to see from my own personal point of view and i'm sure everybody else can reflect on this and reflect this in their own uh, changing taste as to how tastes do change and how retro becomes the new chic and the the new in thing so yeah i expect this will do very very well simon some thoughts on tag yeah on this particular watch um i mean i I've always been quite a fan of the Formula One, and I have owned one, the Formula One chronograph in the past. But I think on this particular one, I, I'm struggling a little with, I feel there's a conflict in the design, because it's a sunburst on the dial. I think a sunburst dial is something that you associate with, tends to be, I, I associate with premium watches in terms of, you know, slightly more expensive price points. You know, I've got a Monaco that's got a sun, beautiful sunburst on the dial. I love it. I would have actually liked to have seen Tago a slightly different way with this and maybe gone for a, a matte textured dial, possibly. For me, the design would have been a little bit more cohesive. So I think that sunburst maybe just puts me off a little bit. I think this is one that I may be withdrawing myself for a, from a waiting list for in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, you're, you're withdrawing yourself from a few waiting lists. I like the sunburst, because I th- and Simon, to answer your thing on, on the sunburst, I think... You know, if you look at the new Formula One cars, and you're right about the yellow, I mean, at Monza, Ferrari, you know, to pay homage to the past, they did their whole car in yellow. But it had like a shimmery yellow. And, you know, if you saw in the different lights, it came alive. Now, that's what I think when I look at this, I think that Sunburst kind of gives you another effect. You know, a matte dial, I think, yeah, would be cool. But when you look at that shimmer, I think, you know, if you look at some of the Formula One cars, they've all gone for these kind of reflective and more poppy colours to attract to the Netflix Drive to Survive kind of audience. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, George. And I think actually, interestingly, the case on this one is um, brushed, isn't it? So I suppose that as yeah. a you know that kind of tones things down a little bit maybe the, look I, I think if i if i want to be a critic about this and and simon i'm kind of putting my critical head on this is um when you look at something like this i wish that they'd put a quick deployment on the strap because i would love to kind of have two straps for when you're traveling mm-hmm. and you could quickly put on a black strap that means that the yellow one would pop in another way where the black subdars would pop off and you could have almost more of a an evening or a more kind of like, hey, I'm going diving or something like that. And then the yellow strap is more of a, that kind of like, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I just think when you're traveling, I, I would have loved to have had it as a quick deploy. And that that's my only thing that I wish had done on this and everything else i think is a true success absolutely and it's definitely going to sell isn't it that's for sure definitely maybe the ability to tone it down with the occasional black rubber strap might be advantageous here and there so go and check out the article uh, from sean at a blog to watch.com well 
we did have a list. We were going to be speaking about Timex. We're going to speak about Tony. We're going to speak about Gronfeld and uh, even Louis Arard. But alas, this is what happens when you have four hosts on a show. You get lots of detailed chat about very few watches. So we're going to leave it at that for this week. You can go and however check out all of those other articles at your leisure at ablogtowatch.com. But gentlemen, let's find out what you're all up to this week. George, you queuing for anything this week? Am I queuing for anything? No. This week I am. I, I'm off to Korea. So I'm going to go off to Korea. I'm flying off this this afternoon. I'll be back at the end of the week. Business or pleasure? Business and then off to Australia the following week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm guessing that might be for recording something, some wee show that you're involved uh, with. Uh, you mean about having time? Actually, no. I'm doing a talk over there and I've got some business that I've got to do over in Australia. Um, setting up a dealership. So I'm, I can't wait. So a bit of traveling and... Uh, you know, watch is always going to be on my wrist. So I can't, I, I'm wondering if it's a tag hoyer. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you on the internet, George? Bamford Watch Department and Bamford London. Yeah, come and see us on Instagram and always message me and I'll pick it up. Excellent. And Simon, what are you up to? So I've had a busy couple of weeks and really work has been getting far too much in the way of this hobby of mine. <laughs> so this week is really going to be dedicated to lots of editing and got a couple of things uh, coming out. In fact, I'm going to have probably a busy two or three weeks of um, content creation coming up. Good, good. And where can we find you online? Um, so the YouTube channel is uh, Escapement24 and on Instagram also Escapement24. And you can find me online at @ricktiktok and all good things at a blog to watch.com. Uh, David appears to have disappeared for some reason, so I will just say goodbye. Uh, oh no, he's back. Are you there? Yeah, I'm back. It, it said that it lost connection, but then it found it again, I guess. So, so yeah, here oh, I am. Oh, well. Yes. That that was lost has been found so david yes. uh where can people find you on the internet it's abtw underscore david and also this week i'm looking forward to a pretty impressive psycho crater event here in budapest with minute repeaters and people from japan watchmakers uh, flying over they've they've actually been having these events every year for the last number of years but i was always traveling and this year that's not the case so i'm just super excited to go and, and see some beautiful crater watches Excellent. Well, thank you all very much for joining us. Do check out the show notes on Friday. Like, subscribe, do all the things you're supposed to do. And we will see you all again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening.